Hi everyone, I'm David Green. Welcome to episode two of series five of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. I'm often asked to provide examples of global organizations that lead the way when it comes to people analytics, whether that's based on business outcomes, benefit to the workforce, or sophistication of the work. Microsoft is always one of just a handful of companies that I mention. The leader of Microsoft's people analytics team is Dawn Klinghoffer, and she is my guest on today's episode of the podcast. Dawn has led the people analytics function at Microsoft for over 15 years, and we caught up recently at the Global Executive Retreat, Insight 222 and CI People, hosted on the topics of next-gen HR, people analytics, and digital HR. I've known Dawn for a few years and never failed to be impressed with the totemical work she and her team are doing with people analytics at Microsoft. In our conversation, Dawn and I discuss the evolution of people analytics at Microsoft and the recent change she has made in how the team is organized. We talk about the importance of employee trust in creating and sustaining an advanced people analytics function. Dawn provides examples of people analytics projects being delivered at Microsoft. And we also look at how to create a data-driven culture. And like with all our guests, we look into the crystal ball and ponder what the role of HR will be in 2025. This episode is a must listen for anyone in a workforce or people analytics role, HR and business professionals interested in how people data can drive business outcomes, and CHROs looking to build or scale their people analytics capabilities. Before we get started, a brief word from our sponsor for Series 5 of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. Support for this podcast is brought to you by Orgview. Orgview is the SaaS platform for workforce analytics and modeling that puts your organization on the front foot. Because in an era of constant disruption, getting ahead sure beats playing catch up. What Orgview does best is give you control of your workforce, how it's organized, how it operates, and how it can be designed to do better, all based on data. It connects HR and finance data so the business can come together to interrogate the present and plan ahead to ensure the workforce and the work it does delivers the business vision. This is real-time organizational planning and analysis for times of change. And that's why Orgview is used by the world's most progressive companies and consulting firms to continually shape their future organization. To discover more, visit the website at orgview.com. That's orgvue.com. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Dawn Klinghoffer, Global Head of People Analytics at Microsoft, to the Digital HR Leaders podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. And it's a special one because we're at the Insight 222 Global Executive Retreat as well. So we're in a special room outside the studio as usual. Welcome to the show. Please, can you provide listeners with a quick introduction to yourself, your background in people analytics and your vision when it comes to people analytics as well? Yeah, so I have been at Microsoft for over 20 years, which is, it seems like probably eternity to most people, but every day I'm still excited to wake up and go to work. So that tells me that I'm still at the right place. I've actually had multiple careers within Microsoft. So I started in finance. I worked in finance for five years. I had multiple roles even in those five years. And then I was lured to HR. Not that being in HR was ever part of my career plan. Uh, This is one of the reasons why I tell people never really have a career plan because you never know what's going to come your way. But I got lured to to HR. We had a data warehouse at that time. This was over 15 years ago, but no one knew what to do with the data. And uh, so I I was kind of tasked to figure out what kind of what kind of gold we're, we're in the in the hills, if you would. And I once I realized that really there was a ton of gold. Um, Fifteen years later, I'm still doing that work. 
Well, you've been, as you said, running or building that team for quite a long time. And, and, you know, it's rightly respected, I think, as one of the leading people analytics functions on the planet. And you kindly share a lot of the work that you do in, you know, Harvard Business Review and LinkedIn and everything else, which I think is great. It's much appreciated by the community. So thank you for Mm -hmm. that. When we were speaking last week, you said that you just announced a new big change into how your team's organised. And I know our listeners love to hear how people analytics teams are organised and who does what between it. So it'd be great to hear your thinking behind that change and, and what you're looking to accomplish as well. Yeah, so you asked me what my vision is for people yes. analytics. And obviously, so our vision is really simple. It's uh, data-driven HR, okay? So we are trying to change the way HR works. That's what I like to say. And we're trying to change them to be more data-driven. And so I'll start with how my team was organized because then it will help to make more sense about how um, I'm changing things. So my, te- my organization had four teams. Uh, two teams were really organized around capability and two teams by audience. So so the two teams by capability, uh, we have an advanced analytics and research team. They have our, our data scientists and our IO psychologists and the, the folks that are really doing the, the advanced research and analytics, building uh, statistical models. And then I have a uh, reporting solutions team. And that reporting solutions team, they work on all of our technology that we roll out to uh, HR. Now, they partner very heavily with our IT team. So this isn't a team of IT professionals. These are yeah. a team of, of professionals that that understand technology, but also understand what our customers need. Then the two teams that I had that were built around capability or by audience, one was focused on our centers of excellence. So we have diversity and inclusion. We have our recruiting function, talent management, learning and development, our operations team. We support all of those teams and we have analysts that support them in all of their program needs. And so while we don't really necessarily dedicate uh, analysts to, to different programs. In essence, we kind of do. We just don't like to tell our customers sometimes that, oh, you have this, this you know, two analysts that you can do whatever you want with. We always like to, to prioritize the work, right? <laughs> and then another team that was focused on the HR line audience. Now, the problem is that over time, as we've grown, um, those line and COE teams did, were not clean, okay? So the COE team also had our team of program managers and project managers that deal yep. with our very large rhythm of the business, events. They program manage our listening systems, which we have such a robust listening system. It, it takes humans to, to, to operationalize that. And then our line teams also had our reporting team, which is our tier one support. And it also had our cross business team. So kind of our company-wide analytics team. And that crosses both the line and the COEs. Okay. Now, one of the things that I say is that in order for my team to be successful, we need to work across Okay, the organization, we have to work horizontally. Yep. You can't work in your silos. No, okay. That's old age. Yes. <laughs> um, but we were still struggling, okay, to work together. And so my leadership team and I have been talking about making a change for a little while, but trying to figure out if we're going to make a change, we really need to make a change that's going to last for a while, okay? And so one of the things that our HR organization has been really pivoting on is solutions at scale, okay? Our company is also thinking that way, Mm. solutions at scale. And so I thought to myself, what can we do in the people analytics function to also focus on solutions at scale? And that's when I, it hit me that we needed an analytics at scale team. Okay, so now I will have a very clean COE analytics team, a very clean line analytics team, and then I will have an analytics at scale team. And that analytics at scale team will have our program and project managers, it will have our tier one support, and it will also have our cross company analytics. Okay, so that team is going to be responsible 
responsible for intake, okay, so that we can prioritize across. It will also be responsible for basically creating a repository for my team, okay, a library, if you would, of all the an analytics that we do. Because what was happening is there was a lot of duplication of effort yeah. um, because not everyone was talking to one another. It's hard to work as one, but it's one of our cultural attributes, and we try really, really, really hard to get there. So we're really, uh, you know, I'm investing in this change because I really feel like this will um, enable us to work more as one. And I think from speaking to you previously, increasingly people analytics is going towards a more bit more of a product focus as well. So mm -hmm. you, you said you're creating those products at scale, which potentially anyone in Microsoft could use once once they're rolled out. Rolled out so. Yeah, it's amazing to see um, within the last five years the number of products that we have that are focused on people analytics. I mean, I, I love it because my team gets to operate as customer zero. We yeah. get to have access to these products before they hit the marketplace. We get to test them. We get to provide feedback directly with the engineering teams. And then we also get to talk to customers about what we're doing. And customers, wanna they want to talk to practitioners. You know, they want to see, okay, oh, yeah, that I have the same challenge as you. How are you solving that challenge? Yeah. And how are you using technology for that? And I know Kathleen Hogan is a chief people officer who is passionate, supportive, and conversant about people analytics, which is great because it's a good, good example for lots of others. How does this help your work? And, and do you work together with Kathleen? And how do you work together with Kathleen and the rest of the HR leadership team? So it absolutely helps my work that she is so passionate about people analytics. She's passionate about insights. Okay, so we were talking about the name of my function, yeah. HR Business Insights. She loves that we, we have insights in our name because she, it's like um, a kid in a candy store. She loves new insights. I, and I just shared with her some, some new insights that we got the other week. And what she's focused on is what she does with the insights. And that is the best part. Okay, so she doesn't just want an insight because it's interesting. Yeah. She wants to figure out what do I do with that? information. You know, she is the one that that enabled me to go to our senior leadership team, Satya and his direct reports, to even talk about kind of our people analytics strategy and how um, the products that we have at Microsoft could come together uh, in, in this amazing way. I mean, it, so they have, uh, they have this thing called the researcher of the amazing at the senior leadership team meeting every single Friday. So they bring someone in. Each of the senior leadership team members gets to bring someone in as the researcher of the amazing. And she chose me to come in one day. Wow. And that was really fun. But that shows her passion mm. for this type of work. She also is, you know, kind of a, a math person herself. She was a math major at Harvard. So she just, you know, she, she understands the value of making database decisions. And she holds her leaders accountable for doing that. And I think what's great is you said it's not just the insight, it's what can I do with it? And then how, how does that translate to outcomes yes. for, for, for work, for the work, for work also, and also for the business as well. So, mm -hmm. so that's great. Topic I know we're both passionate about because we collaborated on an article on it earlier this year. And I know it's something that Kathleen's written about as well. How important is employee trust to creating and sustaining an advanced people analytics capability? Yeah, I think it's critical, actually. And we, we have three components of that that we really think about at Microsoft. One is transparency, um, the second is value, and the third is purpose. Transparency is is challenging yet necessary, okay? Employees need to know what you're doing with their 
information. Uh, and, you know, it's not always possible to share with them everything that's going on, but certainly when you're trying something new and you're doing something yeah. that you think could be a little bit risky and that if, if employees found out about it, maybe they think it would be a little creepy, well, then that should tell you right there that you need to communicate with employees what you're doing. And, and you know, what I have often told people, it's super easy to do creepy things. Okay. It's really hard to be creative enough to figure out how to do things so that it's not creepy. Yeah. And that's definitely something that I, I push myself and I push the rest of the team to think about. Value, you know, there, there should be a joint value in the work that we do, not just for employees, also for the company. Yep. Okay. Yep. And being able to go back to employees and show them that value, they don't all, they don't necessarily have to know that we exist. Okay. And, and exactly what we've done, but if they see the results and they see the outcomes and how that impacts them, then they can know that, okay, I, I, I feel like uh, my data is, is in good hands. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then purpose, you know, y- you should always set off on these projects or analytics, whatever you're doing with an intended purpose. What's the outcome? What business problem are you trying to solve? If you don't have that, how are you going to measure whether or not you're successful? Okay. And so otherwise it's just like, you're just searching for something. And, and as an employee myself, I want to know that people have an intended purpose um, for what they're doing, particularly with my data. Well, and also from a from a planning perspective from your team, you know, you want to make sure that, you know, whoever is sponsoring that particular project is actually going to action it. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, you're, you, you kind of got to that, you know, if you, if you wanted to talk about how I do prioritize, that is how I prioritize. So when people come to our team and say, hey, we need your help, we need you to do this project, one of the first things we ask, because... And, and let me back up a little bit. You know, when I first started out in this org, we we were kind of making things up ourselves to do, yeah. okay? And we would go shop it around to, to the different organizations saying, hey, we could do this for you. And we think this is the value it would create and, and the business outcome. There's... There's some point that happens in, in people analytics maturity model where you no longer are shopping around, you are being bombarded, okay? And, and that is the position that we've been in for the last few years. And, and while I do carve out part of my team to kind of think about, you know, kind of things that, that people aren't coming and asking yeah. them about, primarily we are inundated with stuff that people want. And one of the ways that we prioritize that work is we say, are you ready to take action? Depending on the results, are you ready to take action? And if they say no, we're just in the beginning stages of thinking about it. We say, why don't you think about it some more? And when you're ready to take action, come back. Yeah. And if they say yes, then it goes up to the, to the top of the priority list. So Dawn, I'm going to come back a little bit to the employee trust um, discussion. Because earlier this year at the Bafal conference you presented at in San Francisco, you talked about this concept of data minimization. Mm-hmm. And I think it'd be really good to share that because that's not something I hear from a, a lot of practitioners. Hmm. Yeah, that's something that's super important for us. In fact, so important that it was in the required training that we have for employee data privacy and confidentiality. So it's we have a required training every single year for HR employees to take. Data minimization is exactly what we try to teach people in terms of only pull the data that you know that you're going to need for the analyses. You can always add later, but there needs to be a business reason whenever you're adding data elements to the analysis. I think that most people just want 
everything and the kitchen sink from the beginning because they're they're worried that if they don't pull in everything, they're going to miss something. And again, all the work that that I try to get my team to do is hypothesis driven. Okay. And so if you are, if you are being really true to a hypothesis driven um, analytics methodology, then what you're doing is you should know what data elements that you should pull in and, and you should be able to use that kind of principle of data minimization. It has saved us many times where we kind of get into an area that could be considered from our legal friends a little bit risky. And by using data minimization, we're able to bring them in at the right time and have the conversation with them before we've brought in everything. And last thing on the privacy thing and the employee trusting, just because it suddenly just spun into my head, you actually have a privacy expert in the people analytics team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I have one privacy manager on the team that's dedicated to us. She she works uh, on behalf of our team in terms of data privacy, but she also is the person that works across the company for anyone that, ne- that wants access to employee data for anything that they're doing. So obviously a lot of our engineering teams are building products that require employee data. She does privacy reviews with those teams. Um, she ensures that all of these teams are using our employee data you know, with all the principles that we have in place. There is a bigger privacy team that sits in our operations team. They are primarily for the HR function. Okay. So, so the privacy person on my team is more for the company in in terms of employee data. Yeah, it makes sense. I don't know. It's something that other practitioners are like, oh yeah, maybe we should do that. (laughs) (laughs) So examples, everyone loves to hear about examples of people analytics projects. And I thought what would be really good is if you could share a couple Mm -hmm. that have specifically delivered value to employees as well. I know they're probably delivered value to the business as well, but Mm -hmm. the employee element, I think could be good conversations. It leads on nicely from the employee trust. I think um, I'm going to, I'm going to, switch it up a little. And I'm going to talk about two um, recent analyses that we're not there yet in terms of the business value, but I yep. think they have a lot of promise. And that's why I want to talk about them. Okay. You um, like new stuff? Yeah, just because <laughs> I feel like I'm just always saying the same thing. So, <laughs> you know, and the, these both will deliver a lot of value to the employee. And that's why I specifically want to talk about them. So one of the things that we have been focused on is reorgs. We do a lot of reorgs at Microsoft and we wanted to understand what the impact of reorgs are for employees. We've heard anecdotal feedback that there is quite a lot of uh, impact to employees. We wanted to kind of put some data to it. So um, when we first started unpacking the reorg question, it is quite complex. And really what we what we got to was that it's the manager change that uh, has quite the impact. And so if you separate manager changes from voluntary manager changes to involuntary manager changes, Voluntary manager changes are when an employee changes, you know, a position. Yeah. So then you have involuntary manager changes, which are mostly due to reorgs or due to managers taking new jobs. Okay, yeah. so employees really have no um, no say in whether or not they have a new manager. And what we see is with those involuntary manager changes, there is a correlation um, to attrition. Okay, particularly when you have reorgs, the the employees that are closer to the manager changes have more of an Im- impact. Okay, it has more of an impact on them. And so you can kind of see that play out in the data. And so, you know, with this result, we were able to go back to the HR leadership team and kind of share with them the impact that managers change, the involuntary managers change, it has on the employees and how we can help them in the future when they're about to do a reorg. If they can come to us, we can model it out together. We can give them information that will tag when um, there are going to 
to be involuntary manager changes and then how far away these employees are from the manager changes and how many manager changes they may have already had during the year so that you can kind of have a little bit um, of an intervention if, if you need to, to ensure that those employees understand. The, the one aspect that, that we also saw with the reorg analysis was that reorgs really give senior leaders an opportunity to kind of reset the strategy, okay, for the organization. And so while uh, in the beginning, the sentiment might decrease, okay, in terms of understanding the strategy, it gives the leader a lot of good kind of impetus to set that strategy more clearly. And that's when we usually see the, the sentiment rebound. On a kind of very different topic, but also very much related to helping and giving value to employees, is around employee voice. Okay, so we are very focused on inclusion at Microsoft. We also want employees to feel like they have a voice, okay, that they are able to share their concerns when they have concerns, mm. um, that there are channels for them to do so. And so one of the things that we've been doing is working with this professor out of the University of Texas Macomb School of Business. His name is uh, Ethan Burris, and he specializes in employee voice. And so we've been working with him for a little while now, and we've been able to take some of the, the outcomes of asking about voice in our surveys and matching them up with the workplace analytics, email and calendar metadata. And, you know, organizational networks is something that's very hot right now. People are really just starting to understand the value of networks. And what we could see when we brought this data together was that managers um, and employees that have more insular networks, okay, so have more in-business networks, mm -hmm. those employees feel empowered to talk and speak up about their work, okay, but not necessarily as much about kind of broader cultural strategic, you know, issues that are going on. Um, it's those managers that have broader networks, okay, across the organization, their employees feel more empowered and have more of a voice to speak up about these kind of cultural um, and strategic issues. So it's really, it was a great insight to understand the difference between these kind of more insular networks and these more kind of broad-based networks. And, you know, that what we want to be able to do is infuse this in some of the technology, specifically like my analytics, yeah. um, which is the personal dashboard to help people grow their networks. Okay. We want people to have more of a voice. And, and what we're seeing is they can have more of a voice on many more diverse topics if they have more broader networks. So how do you enable people to have those types of diverse networks? And I think the great thing about the network stuff, and I know we talked about this and other examples where you've used network analysis and I think where, where you've done it very well is you've combined it with other stuff like business performance data and engagement data. Mm -hmm. And in that first example you mentioned around the real, it would be interesting to look at the networks to find how quickly those networks – Yeah, I thought yeah. I think you might. But. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, that's definitely on the list. To see how long it takes for those networks to form after each reorganization because there yeah. might be some best practice and – because it's all nudges, I guess, to help the person exactly. who's instigating the reorg to understand how can they do it effectively so it supports the business but also disrupts yep. employees as and also it's not just to the employees that are going through the reorgs mm. okay uh, so I, I see it as as kind of you know and and we'll get to this uh, you know uh, hopefully but there's a lot of things that we can do to build into technology i mean i truly see people analytics as the secret sauce to the digital transformation Okay, you can digitally transform all you want, okay, but you're not going to kind of reap the benefits that you can get if you're not taking all of that data and analyzing it. And then every company is different. Every company has a unique strategy and a unique culture. And, and so you need to understand what 
kind of moves the dial for your company and then build them into ways that can kind of seamlessly nudge employees and managers, leaders to, to kind of think differently when they're about to do something. Two really great examples, Dawn. And, and just for listeners, we will share links to some of the art- other articles Dawn has published over the last couple of years with further examples of the work that she's done at P-Analytics at Microsoft. So what's next? What, what's, what's the plans for the next 12 to 18 months? What are some of the things that you're looking at moving forward? So what I'm most excited about is some technology that we are launching internally, which is called, uh, we're calling it Manager Hub. So it's technically uh, a manager dashboard. Okay, so it's a one-stop shop for managers to get information. And we call, so I'm partnering with other folks across Microsoft for this. So this isn't just uh, a one HR initiative. We're also working with folks outside of HR. And we're thinking of this as an insights generation platform. Okay. So when you go as a manager, it's not just going to tell you the actions you need to take. It's going to tell you why you need to take those actions. So we are building learning into it. We're building like kind of the, the basics like expense management and all sorts of kind of compliance things. But then we're building, you know, um, are you having one-on-ones with your employees and are you having connects with them, which is part of our performance and development construct. Are you giving people perspectives? Okay. So that, that is the, the way we give people feedback across the company. We give them perspectives. And, and so you'll, you'll have a notification there that shows when you have outstanding perspectives, or if you met with someone recently mm. and um, I met with them a lot and, and you haven't shared any perspectives on them. Okay. So kind of prompting you that these are all kind of future different scenarios that we're thinking about. So we're going to be integrating with uh, workplace analytics or my analytics to that kind of personal dashboard aspect to give you different nudges. And it's just, it's a great kind of cross cross effort that we're doing. And uh, when I go out and I talk to different people, analytics leaders, and ask them if they have something like this, no one has said they do. Okay. A few people have told me they want something like that. (laughs) So we're doing this internally. Who knows? You know, maybe we will, we'll turn it into something that, that, uh, you know, we can, we can put into a product later on. But for now, um, we're going to test it out internally and see how our managers kind of adopt this. And then we'll continue. We we have a list of insights to put in this. You can um, keep adding those insights. Yes, exactly. So it's like the people analytics function is just kind of generating these insights. And we get insights from other places uh, around the company as well. So we're really looking forward to that. We're in pilot uh, launch right now, and we're, we're moving towards a global launch sometime this year. So we're really, actually, sometime in the next fiscal year. So we're really excited about that. Um, so if you're a manager and you've got this nudge, effectively, if you do this, this is why you should do it. And this is what the outcome would be. Yes. So training. We're so excited to be able to say, hey, you're a new manager. Did you know that if you take this manager's essentials class, your workplace health index may go up by 10% because that's what we normally see. That's the, you know, when we did the analysis, we saw that that compared to folks that did not take that manager's essentials class, that was kind of the difference. Now we can't promise you that that's going to happen. You could be a horrible manager and still take the class and it doesn't help you. But, um, you, you know, we want to try to give you those those uh, insights uh, where we can. And it's like the onboarding work that you did, you know, you proved that 
the importance of a buddy, for example. For so, I presume you can put nudge managers to make sure that each yep. of the new starters is a buddy. Absolutely, and, you have a new hire coming next week. Do they have a buddy yet? Yeah. You know, and and all of that will be links and and places to get content and uh, and more information. You, people will be able to see their results of our annual engagement survey through this. And so it's just one stop. Right now, we make managers go to about fifty different websites. Okay, for everything that they have to do. So to be able to go to one place and 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 find all of this is is pretty it's it's going to be we think it's going to be pretty amazing and at the same time um, we're also working on employee hub okay so it's manager hub employee hub and so it, it's it's kind of this notion that how do you add value to the employees as you said before and and so we're, we'll think of that as well right now we are more focused on the manager hub just we have a lot of insights and yeah. and we just had a, a really big launch of manager expectations um, and values in the last couple of weeks and so it's it, this is the platform in which we're using to really um, enable these manager expectations to come to life through technology. I mean, you can see where it could go. You know, if you, you know, as you develop the manager hub and the employee hub, you know, imagine as an employee, okay, you work in sales. Our most successful salespeople have good relationships with these teams. Mm-hmm. We can see that you should probably network with these three people and form relationships with these people and collaborate with these people and then you'll probably we predict you'll be more successful yeah and that's someone that works in sales you're clearly that you're clearly going to be inspired to do that yes yes definitely and that's you know that you're you're kind of you're almost like sharing our roadmap with everyone (laughs) (laughs) i haven't seen it culture let's let's talk about that so one of the biggest challenges we we come across when we speak to uh, clients at insight 222 is how can we get not even just the rest of HR. How can we get the rest of HR on board and, and help make HR business partners, for example, more data literate, hungry for these insights because it actually helps them have more impact in the business? I'd be interested to understand how you've developed that culture within HR. I know people say, oh, Microsoft's a tech company, but you had to start from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I know particularly with the data-driven HR hashtag, I think that, that has helped a little bit, hasn't it? Yeah, our hashtag data-driven HR, which just happens to be our vision, um, <laughs> we take um, that really seriously. Um, in fact, we, we, we coin it DDHR. Okay, so we, that is kind of our, our short way of talking about it. So we, we have expectations for ourselves, okay, in terms of my team, what it means to be data-driven. We have expectations for the different organizations around HR. In fact, um, just the other week, we had uh, one of our partners come and present from our Line Solutions group, and she put the expectations of her role up on um, the screen, and there was a component of being data-driven. What, what does that mean Okay, mm. for them? We've worked with, with HR to kind of build this into, as they're rolling out these, these different roles within the organization, there's a component of being data-driven in this. But it also takes training, okay? Yeah. And so you can't just kind of say that yeah. and just say, go off, just be data-driven. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we have a, a quite a training program that we offer. They're on demand, so people can just take the classes online if they want. We have basic tool trainings, but we also have trainings on how to generate data insights, how to apply data insights, how to build business cases, understanding your audience, you know, how to how to generate a hypothesis and create testable predictions. Okay, so because that's part of it. We we need our clients to own their data. 
we don't own everyone's data. I mean, that would be really quite an undertaking for us if we owned everyone's data. So it's it, it's up to all of our partners to own the data with us, okay? Yeah. And so we, when we work on projects, we work on hypotheses with them, okay? And and so if they understand how to do that, it makes it a lot simpler and, and smoother for us to, to work on that. The other thing that we do is we try to share our insights as much as possible with the HR organization. We try to share as much as we can outside the HR organization as well. One of the reasons why we publish in journals like HBR, because what we found is our employees at Microsoft, they are very well read externally and they will read those those, um, articles. We also share them on LinkedIn. So uh, one of the ways we share internally at Microsoft is on Yammer, which is our kind of internal social networking. And we do a hashtag data-driven HR. So we do a blog post um, every other week. Okay, and sometimes it's an insight that we've learned that HR could then use with their clients. Oftentimes it's like learning tips and tricks on how to be data driven. Okay, we've had quite a few of those in the last um, few months where, you know, just teaching people just in a, in a nice little nugget, okay, something that they can do that will help them be more successful with their business and using data. And I guess looking to the future with Manager Hub and then Employee Hub, by effectively democratizing the data god that's always a word to get out isn't it by democratizing the data people see the the insights for their own benefit and then they maybe that helps open their minds and their day jobs when they're dealing with other people within the business as well yeah democratizing data their data democratization whatever so i think that's a very dangerous word and i don't um, okay i don't like to uh, like like a bit of controversy (laughs) contention i think it's a dangerous word because often people um will throw that in my face okay in terms of hand over all the employee data Okay. So obviously there's a lot of people at Microsoft that are very data driven and they're, and they're all over the company. And there's a lot of very, very, I would say knowledgeable people, way more knowledgeable than me about data. Okay. Data scientists in, in pretty much every organization. But the problem is they all think they can do their job better that my job better than me at times. And, um, and so I, Often um, people come and say, I just, just give me this. I, I, I know what I need to do and I'll do the analysis. And, and no, we can't, you know, we can't just hand over employee data all over the company. No, That's no. why I have that, um, the privacy person exactly. on my team. Yeah. And, and so, and then they say, but what about, but data democratization, you know, and it, Yes and no. Okay. I say that with all the aspects of privacy and data confidentiality and security and even, you know, anonymizing the data, that's not good enough or or de-identifying the data. It's really hard, okay, to get to the point where it's impossible to actually re-identify. Okay. The more data attributes you bring in, Mm. the more likely it is that someone will be identifiable. And so we're very cautious about that. And so that's why I I, I, that that word. No, no, that's good. It's it's nice because these terms are banded around sometimes, aren't they? And I think sometimes, yeah, yeah they need some definition and some <laughs> thinking behind them. Um, you've built one of the most advanced functions in the world, and I know that when we've we told some of our clients that that you were coming to the global executive retreat, they all asked to sit next to you at dinner. <laughs> so you'll be very popular over the next two days. <laughs> What advice would you give either a new head of people analytics or someone that's maybe taking over a function that's one or two years old? You know, what would be the key? To, if you could give them, I don't know, three pieces of advice, what would they be? So for a new function, I would say start small to prove the, the value. I don't know. It, it's interesting. I don't know what it would be like to start a new function now. 
Okay, I know what it was like to start a new function 15 years ago. I would think 15 years ago, no one was talking about this function. Okay, so no one had any expectations whatsoever. I would think now um, you might have people knocking on your door if you were starting a new function. Okay, so maybe you wouldn't need to prove the value. But what I would say is, it always takes longer than you think to do an analysis. It always takes about double the amount of time that you think it's going to take. And so build that in, uh, under promise over deliver, you know, really make sure that if you're starting out, that you do something that really can link to the business value. Okay. Otherwise, I don't know. You know, I'm not sure that the person will come back again. Okay. So they really have to see that someone that's, you know, kind of, been at it for a couple of years, maybe taking over a function that, that they've been trying, leverage technology. Okay. So that, you know, that was something that I wish that I had more of 15 mm. years ago. We didn't have Power BI. We didn't have Data Lake to make it easy for us to combine all these disparate data sources. We had data silos. Oh, oh my God, if I could just get them to put it into a peninsula, I would have been happy with like these data islands that we had all over the place. So, you know, the technology has come so far that you can really use technology to your advantage. Okay. And kind of what I would say is really boost the, you know, the, the uh, success of your people analytics function. So Dawn, as we begin to, to wrap up the conversation, let's, let's look at the people analytics function in general terms. What excites you most about people analytics? moving forward, looking to the future? Yeah. So obviously the the combination of people analytics kind of embedded in technology is what excites me the most that I think there is so much promise and future there. I, I do think we're just starting to scratch the surface as to what's possible. Again, all of this in the, the vein of how can we help employees, managers, leaders be more successful, okay, be more productive, be more engaged. And so I, I truly see that that's part of the, the future and what I'm really excited about. I'm also just excited about the sheer number of uh, companies that have invested in people analytics. I think as of 2018, I think it was 70% of the Fortune 1000 companies based on uh, my friends at LinkedIn who who gave me that stat. Good to have have that relationship. (laughs) Yep. um, They have people analytics functions in in their company and that's amazing to me. Mm. And I think that it will get to 100 Okay. So I do think that the future of people analytics is it's going to be like a recruiting function. Okay. um, In an HR organization. And again, it doesn't mean that there needs to be a large team in every organization. Technology um, has come so far that people don't need big teams anymore, that you can leverage technology to really help and do a lot of the work that we had to do with humans years ago. Biggest concern? My biggest concern is really around the privacy aspect and the data confidentiality. I mean, it's, again, that because data is becoming ubiquitous, people just feel like they should have their hands on it. And, you know, what I love about my job, particularly at Microsoft, because Microsoft is so data-driven, I have folks all over the company that will partner with me. Okay. So while I can't hand over our data to them, we can partner together. Okay. And that's what I like to say is there's ways for us to partner so that we're not exposing employee data in the wrong ways, but we can partner together and create amazing insights. Okay. Sales organization is is one of the, the ones that comes to mind where we really partnered with the sales excellence team and their BI team um, to deliver some really good uh, insights to the sales organization using workplace analytics and, and some of our engagement survey information. 
because it's it's you know it's not enough just to say what's going to make a salesperson productive. You also want to make sure that the salespeople are engaged as well, and that kind of triangulates and kind of brings in the human aspect or the people aspect of it. And I guess no head of people analytics wants to be the person that sets the discipline back by either doing the wrong thing or right. doing something that's taken and sensationalized by some of the media, which I think there is the risk of that. We yes. saw it in the consumer analytics space only a year ago. Definitely, so. definitely. And that's, you know, we we do model a lot of the work that we do in our people analytics function off of what we're doing with our customer data. Okay. And so my my privacy manager, she learns from what we're doing and um, she sits on, uh, you know, on, in different meetings with folks that are doing privacy all over the company. And, and she learns about that and then brings those learnings back back to us. So that that is my biggest concern because I wouldn't want it to get to a point where kind of people analytics is is dialed back because of that kind of nature of, you know, invasion of people's privacy. Great. And I agree 100% of the Fortune 1000 will have people analytics teams at some point in the future. I really hope. Otherwise, the, the few that don't won't be in the Fortune 1000 right, anymore. Right. That's, that's my yeah. view. So that leads on to the, the final question that we ask guests on the show, and you can nuance this in, in any way you like. What do you think the role of the HR function will be in, in 2025 and beyond? Yeah, so what, what I like, the trend that I'm seeing, and, um, and I'm seeing this, it, you know, obviously I, don't, I can't answer about all the different companies out there, but what I'm seeing in, at Microsoft is, is the HR organization is really thinking about the skills that we need for the future, okay? And, and even the, the universities are thinking about that. You know, it used to be that we recruited heavily from these schools like uh, University of Minnesota that had kind of a master's in HR concentration if you would. Now we're recruiting HR professionals that have MBAs, okay? And in in those courses, they're being taught about analytics, okay? And they come to to Microsoft hungry to be part of my team as one of their rotations, okay? Which is amazing. But, you know, I see that there are are people that have these kind of consulting skills. They have analytics skills. They have more business skills all across the the function in a much bigger way than than we've kind of seen historically. But, you know, 2025 is not that far away. I I also think that the role of HR is becoming more and more sophisticated, okay? They truly are consultants for the business on most company with most companies would say their most important asset is their people okay and so the fact that that hr is in every conversation about people okay whether it's about it's not just about performance management anymore okay mm. it, it's about everything every aspect of getting the work done that's really where i see the role will shift and and it's because technology and what we can do with technology and what we can build in kind of the everyday work that we do and then nudging people so that there doesn't have to be an HR person that follows people around telling them what to do. Okay, we can use technology for that. Let's use our HR resources where we can have the, the, the biggest bang for, um, for our buck, which is really along the lines of these kind of business opportunities, strategic decisions. And arguably, it's an exciting time for HR. I mean, we only have to go back a few weeks and see the business roundtable announcement that it's more than profit. And I think actually a lot of those companies are already doing this. They are looking at employees. They are looking at stakeholders. They are looking at the environment. Yes. And you, you know, not all of those 181 companies are probably doing it to a large degree at the moment. But And there know, are many other companies that weren't part of that list. Who already do that it. That are already doing yeah, it. Yeah. And okay. I think that's a good sign. And that, that help, you know, that that's only going to increase the importance of HR moving forward. I yeah. Think, so. 
yeah, it's definitely been a focus for us for quite a while. Mm. Dawn, it's always a pleasure. Thank you very much. Lastly, how can people stay in touch with you? So you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, and my name's, again, Dawn Klinghoffer. And you can find me as the, the head of people analytics at Microsoft. And feel free to, to link in with me. And you can read the articles. I have them posted there. Perfect. And we'll share that. And I know you do a little bit on Twitter, but that's more for your other passion, which yeah, is cooking. I don't, do much, I don't do much on, <laughs> on Twitter. Um, but it is funny. I, I, people will tag me on Twitter, but I'm not a big Twitter poster. Yeah. So. so LinkedIn's the place to find yeah, Dawn. LinkedIn's Dawn, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Digital HR Leaders Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. You can subscribe by your podcast app of choice. If you did enjoy listening, please do rate the show on your podcast app and share it with your friends and colleagues via social media. We rely on your feedback and support to keep being able to make this podcast. If you haven't already, do check out myhrfuture.com for the latest learning and news on the future of HR. And you can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter there too. That's all for this episode, but please make sure you tune in next week when we'll be speaking to Rupert Morrison, CEO at OrgView, on data-driven organisational design. So don't miss that one, and I'll see you next time.